Hello, I'm Ivan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Amberlight Public Speaking Podcast. This is episode 13, Toastmaster Evaluation Contest Part 2. Before we start, I just wanted to let you know that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes as well as Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all good podcasting applications. If you're able to, then please leave a glowing five-star review in iTunes. It really helps promote the show. This podcast doesn't have any sponsors, so the primary way to support it is to buy the Amberlight Speech Timer app for iPhone and iPad. With this app, you can practice your speeches and ensure they run to time, and you can also use it to time speakers at your Toastmasters or debating club. As I said in the last episode, I found the app hugely helpful in practicing my evaluations. Maybe you'll find it useful too. Also, it's not expensive, so head over to amberlightapp.com to read more about it and watch some demo videos. The link is in the show notes. If you don't have an iPad or an iPhone, or you can't spare any cash at the moment, I'll talk about some other ways you can support the podcast at the end of the episode. Now, on with the show. This episode won't make any sense unless you've heard the previous part, because this continues where I left off. In the last episode, I told you about how I won an area Toastmasters evaluation contest, and I started describing the strategy I used. I told you, amongst other things, how a contest is run, how to practice for an evaluation, and most importantly, what we can learn from the forms the judges use to score evaluation contests. 6. Cheat sheets aren't cheating. One of the great things about evaluation contests is there are no restrictions on what paperwork you can have with you either during the speech or the five minutes allocated for note writing. Use this generous allowance as it might give you the winning advantage. Create some cheat sheets for yourself. The first cheat sheet I created for myself was a feature checklist. It's a single page containing a two-column list. That list is a simplified, bulleted list of all the lessons we learn from the Competent Communicator Manual, speeches 2 through 8. I also added a few other items that I was interested in, such as rhetoric and storytelling. The key thing here is this list can be anything you like, and you can customise it any way you wish. Personally, I kept it simple, but I've heard of others who put their own particular spins on each of the Toastmaster concepts, which helps to make it their own and sets them apart from the competition. I think that's an excellent idea, and if you have time to make your list really unique, then you should. Remember that many of your fellow competitors will be making very much the same observations you are, so anything you can do to set your similar observations apart by using different language, different analogies, or other devices, that can only help you. This is how I used a feature checklist. I would have the list in front of me while the speaker was speaking, and every time I panicked that I wouldn't have a commendation or recommendation, I'd look at the list and suddenly realise what I can pick out and comment upon. One of the great things is if you get used to using the list in your practice with YouTube videos, it starts to become second nature. Once that happens, you won't need the list as much, although it's still good to have it on hand. Some people write on these lists, but I don't write on mine. I keep a journalist-style ring-bound notebook, 
and I scribble notes throughout the speech, writing down notable phrases, actions, as well as noting the things I did or didn't like about the speech performance. Remember, it's important to have commends and recommends, but it's also important to be able to evidence those commendations and recommendations. So having lots of notes really helps. The next cheat sheet I created was my speech template. This is what I would use in my five minutes of note writing. It basically had slots in it for each section of my speech. My approach was to start with three commends and then do two recommends and finally a summary. I'll explain more about this structure later. Weirdly, I did get into the habit of not writing words in the gaps, but drawing pictograms of each concept I was going to talk about. This had two advantages. One, it made it easier for me to remember what I was going to talk about later. And two, I would draw them nice and big so I could quickly look at the page and instantly know what I was talking about next. It's much quicker than reading words. I used the same pictograms for the same things. Storytelling would be a drawing of a book. Good use of the stage would be a stage curtain. Audience interaction would be two hands clapping. This worked really well for me, and if you have a visual memory, it might work for you too. Next to these pictograms, I might write a key quote from the speaker that related to my observation. Most importantly, I'd keep notes brief and visible, and then use the remainder of the five minutes to think through the form of what I was going to say. I find long notes can be a problem for speakers, because you can end up spending more time looking at your notes than the audience. Here's a really helpful bit of advice. A good habit to get into is to write the target speaker's name in really big letters at the top of your notes. Your pen should be poised over your notepaper at the very moment the tar target speaker's name is about to be announced. Whatever you do, don't forget their name, because you will need to use it several times during your speech. If it's an unfamiliar and foreign name, which sometimes happens, then don't worry so much about the correct spelling as the correct pronunciation. Just write it down phonetically. 7. Your speech structure The common advice for structure, and the one most competitors seem to use in evaluation contests, is to have three commendations and two recommendations, but present these as a sandwich with the second and third strongest commendations first, then the two recommendations, followed by the very strongest commendation. The reason for this is the evaluator wants to be seen as being positive, and as positive as possible, and leaving the strongest commendation last leaves the strongest impression that they're being positive and upbeat. That seems sensible to me. But you don't have to use that structure if you don't want to. I decided on something different for reasons I'll explain, but please bear in mind I'm not an authority on these things and you should just make up your own mind. When I was rehearsing, I started using the sandwich structure, but I quickly found it annoying. It seemed like an unnatural way to talk, starting with commendations, then transitioning to recommendations, then transitioning to a commendation, then transitioning again to a summary. It just felt clunky to me. I decided I could achieve a similar effect to the sandwich structure by doing three commendations, two recommendations, then doing the summary, but 
starting with a very quick mention of both recommendations, followed by a fuller and stronger reiteration of the three commendations. This felt more natural to me, and I think it basically works the same way. 8. Some Miscellaneous Thoughts It's really interesting to me how many people feel they need to make a joke about the speech at the start of their evaluation speech. I personally think this is a waste of time and effort, and unless you've got something that is both brief and brilliant that instantly popped into your head, I recommend you don't bother. Humour really does sway judges, and it makes them want to vote for you, but I would recommend that you concentrate on making jokes about speaking, not jokes about the speech. If you have a funny joke to make about audience interaction, then do that. If you have a funny quote about body language, use that. Doing this has a few advantages. Firstly, you can have a list of jokes in advance about every aspect of public speaking. You could even have them on your cheat sheets. Secondly, your jokes are now doing double duty. They're teaching, but simultaneously are warming the icy cold hearts of the judges. This is good value because you have very little time available to you. Another similar point I'd make here is that you probably shouldn't engage with the content of the speech at all. In my opinion, the closest you want to get to commenting on content is either on speech structure, on quality of evidence, or quality of quotes. Many evaluators waste valuable time talking about how they found the content interesting or giving their views about other non-speech related issues. Remember, the reason you're giving an evaluation is so the speaker can build their confidence and improve. If the speaker has made a speech about running a llama farm, you could tell us how you own six llama wool jumpers, but then you won't be helping the audience, the speaker, or yourself. Using notes. This seems to be one of the most controversial aspects of competing in evaluation contests. Some people insist that using notes is fine, and they logically point out that the judges' form doesn't mark people down for notes, and even the competition rules are designed to allow the writing of notes. All very logical. My experience, though, is that if there's little else to differentiate the contestants, the judges prefer competitors who don't use notes. In my contests, I decided to stick with notes because it ensured my delivery was a little bit slicker, more professional, I think. This worked fine at area, but at the division level I lost out to less slick competitors who didn't have notes. Was this the reason I lost out? Well, maybe not. I've not seen the video of the contest yet, so I can't be sure. But if you have, t if you have time to train yourself to do the contest without notes, you will very likely have the edge. But don't worry about it too much. If you'd rather use notes, there's certainly plenty of people out there who say that shouldn't be a problem. As always, it just comes back to the unpredictable nature of judges, who are only human after all. Finally, I just want to say this. I am really glad I entered an evaluation contest. It's been hugely educational. While this process has been going on, I've also been writing my next two Toastmaster speeches, and they're already leaps and bounds ahead of my previous speeches, because I've taken on lessons of being a good evaluator. And in the end, this is why doing evaluations is so valuable. 
Sure, you get to teach others, but really you're teaching yourself. Imagine if you have access to someone who's an expert at improving speeches. Now imagine that expert is you. That's why you should try to be a better evaluator. I hope you found that useful. And if you did, I hope you'll spend a moment to support this podcast. As mentioned before, you can buy the Amberlight Speech Timer app by going to amberlightapp.com. Additionally, there is a Twitter account, at amberlightapp. Consider following the account and retweeting some of the tweets there, especially about either the app or the podcast. Amberlight is also on LinkedIn, Google+, and Facebook, so some likes on there would really help me out as well. That's all for this episode. I look forward to catching up with you again in the next episode. All the best. Bye.